0: Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties Podcast. Free Press, Media Press, Inc., and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Welcome to Long Live Alternative Parties Podcast. Today, friends, we have another exciting guest on this podcast. She represents a party that's named after something I personally love and this organization and our podcast loves, the U.S. Constitution. She is with the Constitution Party. Her name is Cassie Easley, and she's running for office, and she will tell us specifically what office she is running for in a moment. So welcome to the podcast, Cassie.
1: Hi, thank you.
0: Cassie, we thank you as well. So kindly tell us what office you're running for.
1: Um, I am running for U.S. Congress in Congressional District 2 in Utah.
0: All right. Would you please give us an introduction to yourself, a brief biographical sketch?
1: Um, well, um, I am with the Constitution Party. Um, I've been with the party since 2014, and as things have been changing in the country, um, I've gravitated more towards um, the Constitution Party because of the other parties didn't stand for what I stood for anymore. Um, I was widowed in 2022. My husband had cancer for five years and I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. So I figured it was time for me to run and try to make a difference. Um, I'm a wife or I was a wife. I'm a mother, a grandmother. I'm currently a college student and wow. I, yeah. <laughs> and so um, I'm very much into a constitutional government. So that's why I decided to run. And, I'm just a normal person. Um, my background is not in politics. It is mainly being a wife and a mother for most of my my life. Um, I've worked in restaurant management, and um, I was a CNA, so some in the medical field. Oh. But my passion right now is really trying to see if we can't get this country back in order. So I also now currently hold a certificate for um, – instructor for firearms for institutional carry, home defense, and um, concealed carry so that um, people that want to be able to carry firearms in a legal manner are able to become more familiar with what they're doing and understand the laws behind it. So I'm a strong proponent of the second amendment because we need that to be able to protect ourselves and the founders wanted to make sure that we could do that not only from other people, but from the government as well. So um, that's pretty much what I am and what I'm about. I'm just a normal person that's trying to make a difference in my little part of the world.
0: Sounds good. When we were scheduling the interview, you had me go to your website, and then it told not only that you were in class, but it told specific classes. I haven't seen anything quite like that. So if you care to share what – it sounds like your class schedule is related to your interests. Is So if you care to share, would you kindly tell us what you're majoring in?
1: Uh, I'm majoring in political science and economics because oh. um, anything that I've looked at as far as who we have in Congress, none of them are economists. Most of them are lawyers. And yep. I think that with the economy being the way that it is, that it's important to have someone that understands that. And so... So it's not where I would normally go. I felt that it was extremely important to get classes in economics so that I would understand the economy better. And being in Congress, since they hold the purse, we need somebody in there that actually understands how the economy works so that we aren't wasting the money that the taxpayers are paying.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. It sounds a, a direct link to what you're doing right now. It's awesome when your studies can coincide with that.
1: Absolutely. I thought that that was important because if this is something that I'm going to do and be a good representative, I need to understand not only the political side of things but the economic side of things so that I'm more well rounded and can better serve the people that would be voting for me.
0: All right. Would you please tell us what your platform is for this race in particular? What are some of the big issues? that you're bringing to the table in this campaign?
1: Um, my actual platform is the U.S. Constitution um, because that's what uh, that's what my job description is in Article I, Section 8. So that's what my platform is, is that I will follow the Constitution above everything else. Um, my issues that I have um, would be the three main issues are all constitutionally related, um, the second amendment, because the federal government is always trying to restrict our right to bear arms. Um, I mean, there's some bills on the table right now that hoping they're not gonna pass um, extra taxes for people to be able to buy firearms. And what I have found just in general is that the only people that these laws affect are the people that want to own firearms legally. And if you're a criminal, you're not following the law anyway, so it really has no effect on you. It only has an effect on on people that are doing what they're supposed to. And I think that it's wrong for the government to target us. And the Second Amendment says they can't. The other thing is the tax burden on the um, population in general. The Constitution says there should be no individual tax, and then they created the 16th Amendment so that they could tax us individually. In Article 1, Section 2, it tells that each state will pay an equal tax to the federal government based on their population. And I think that the 16th Amendment needs to be repealed so that it goes back to how the founders wanted it and that it would relieve a lot of the tax burden on the people. And then the 17th Amendment is a big one because right now – the way that it is with the Seventeenth Amendment, they changed it from the Senators being representatives of the state, um, where the people would elect the state representatives, and the state representatives would would vote for the Senate so that the Senators more represent what the needs of the state are, not the people. So there was a separation there between the people and the state. And right now, as we elect them by the people, we essentially have created the two houses in the legislative branch to be elected by the people. So both of them are beholden to the people. So we have no one representing the needs of the state any longer because oh, wow. they are, are, they represent the people that vote for them. So they have to cater to what the people want. But that's what our congressmen in the House are for. And so now we've basically got two houses instead of a separate House of Representatives and a Senate. And they get to sit for six years. And if we don't like them, we can't reelect them in two years like we can our congressmen. So if they were representing the state specifically – then those would be the things that they would be working on, not what the Congress and, and the House is working on. Okay. So I think that That's... could also be repealed.
0: Oh, wow. So if so. if the 16th Amendment is unconstitutional in your view, what types of taxes are constitutional?
1: Um, well, what the founders originally um, said for the government to get their money was um, tariffs, which we've okay. – eliminated a lot of those because of the um oh it used to be called NAFTA they've changed the name of it. Um where um we don't the North American Free Trade Act, so now we have a lot of free trade in okay. in in North America. So we aren't getting tariffs there and oftentimes we're we are reducing them and doing smaller tariffs to be able to get more trade. Which more trade is good, but it doesn't help Um, give the government the money that they need to operate. But the other part is like the states can charge taxes and what they were supposed to do is the let's say um, New York or California versus Utah is a a good example because they've got um, a huge population compared to Utah. Um, They're actually number one in the representation that they have in Congress with 53 and we have um, six. Okay. So, um, what they would do is they would say, "Let we have a hundred thousand dollars that we need. All
0: Fifty-three
1: right. percent of that would come from California, whereas six percent of that would come from the state of Utah, and the state would tax to reflect would tax the people to reflect what the gover- what they would send to the federal government." Okay. So just 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 as an example. Um, it, there's a little more math to it, I'm sure, but that's the general concept, that it would be done by a percentage by the population of each state, and each state would support the federal government based on their popul- population. And then the individual federal income tax would not be there so that we are working and having to pay a certain percentage of our income to the federal government every year or when, for taxes. And it would reduce our tax burden as well.
0: Okay. All right. Interesting. So what do you think about the limits of the First Amendment? What do you think the limits are? What constitutional limits do you think are legitimate for the First Amendment? And what do you think is how far should it go?
1: Well, the First Amendment pretty much says that these are the things that the government cannot restrict. So when you start restricting things that are in that, then you are actually violating that amendment to the Constitution. Yeah. So um, they shall make no law respecting, and then it goes through the list of the establishment of, liberty, of religion, um, the prohibition. Uh, there's, They cannot prohibit the free exercise of any religion. They can't. Um, take away our freedom of speech or the press. I mean, I understand with speech that you can't, um, like, yell fire in a, in a movie theater to cause chaos. I mean, if you're trying to do something like that, that, that's just common sense to me. There doesn't need to be a law that says that. Sure. Um, we are allowed to peacefully assemble. We, we can protest against what the government is doing. Um, I've come across um, during certain protesting um free speech zones. Like they make these areas where you can express your free speech. And the Constitution says all of America is a free speech zone. So they're what? trying to, re- to limit us on, on what our freedoms actually are. When these okay. are actually inalienable, they, they, they are in us. These are rights that we are naturally born with. True. that the government cannot regulate because they can't take away something that is, is natural to us. So any anything that they're doing with that, it's always very questionable, in my opinion, if they're making laws specifically when the Constitution says, you cannot do this, but we're going to do it anyways. And people go by them and listen to it when, in fact, they're not valid laws at all.
0: All right. So how about obscenity? Do you think that is protected by the First Amendment?
1: It is. Um, and here, here here's the thing. Um if people people think different things are obscene. I think that the moral compass should be in um your community. Because like something that's right for me and not right for me in my community May be totally fine in another community and that should be state and city and um, local county laws that would reflect the opinion of the people that live there because what's good for me may not be good for someone else and vice versa because people live in their people are very different based on where they live. I live in a very rural community. And we do not have any strip clubs or anything like that where I live. Now, if I lived in a major city in, like, L.A. or New York, they probably do, and that's okay for them. But I okay. think that that should be judged mainly by the communities, not by the federal government.
0: Okay. Sounds sensible. So can you so, please yeah. tell us the demographics of your area specifically – You talked about some, you were saying that your your state is smaller than California and your area is rural. Can you elaborate on the demographics of the district you represent?
1: Um, The demographics for my district are um, very interesting. Um, When they changed the um, boundary lines for the districts in 2020 for the last census, Okay. They actually took Salt Lake, which is in the northern part of Utah, and divided it into four. So there's a portion of Salt Lake in each one of the congressional districts, oh. which, which is fine. But my district, we have 29 counties in the state of Utah, and including that portion of Salt Lake, I – Congressional District 2 is on the entire western side of the state, and it goes from above Salt Lake all the way to the southern border of Utah, and it is 13 counties. So demographically, I have the largest geographical area um, that I'm running in. Because of population, we're very rural. Um, we even joke about the fact that there's more livestock in District 2 than there are people, which is actually true. Because we are very, a lot of farms here, a lot of people raise sheep and cattle and things like that in this district. And then we do have the um rollover of a very um industrious city. So we do have the, both demographics, and I think it's more pronounced in um, Congressional District 2. Luckily, I grew up, my dad was in the military, so I grew up in cities. So I understand the different dynamics just because I, as an adult, chose to live rurally um doesn't mean that I do not understand what it's like to be in the city because that's where I spent most of my childhood was in the city. So
0: Oh sure. um
1: it's very diverse but um because of that I really feel like I can handle the 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 different demographics because the things that people in Salt Lake need are very different than the needs of the people in the farming community. So True. It's 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 very diverse um District, so it's, it's it's quite interesting trying to be able to get to all of my counties and talk to people. So oh, you yeah, sure makes it mention. challenging. Yeah, makes it challenging.
0: Sure. So, how is so. about access for your race? Did are you already on the ballot, or are you working on the getting on the ballot? What's the situation with that?
1: Okay, for our party, um, we are. Uh, Utah has a law that says you can get signatures to get on the primary ballots. Um, the Constitution Constitutional Party we only do um caucus and convention. And our state convention is uh the middle of April.
0: All right. And
1: at that point, um I will present myself to the party and I will ask for their nomination and to make it official. Um we've uh, we we do a lot of um, vetting prior to people declaring so that we know who's going to be asking for the nominations. Oh. So pretty much everybody that has declared is going to be on the ballot already. We know that because okay. at convention we're going to vote them in. Oh, we're it's, nominate a them. it's It's a formality for our party because – um, I, I am in the leadership of the party, I'm the first vice chair at the state level, and we vetted everybody that has declared to, to get them to know what position they're looking for, and we try not to have more than one person running for the same position if they can run for another one in the same demographic of where they're located, so that we can have more people on the ballot and know what positions we're looking at. So we did that prior to January when we had to have our declarations done in Utah. We had to have them done by January 8th this year. And so everybody that declared were pretty much going to say yes and then do the formality and they will be on the November ballot. So I'm anticipating to be on the ballot in November, just going through the formality in, in April. Okay.
0: And how many signatures is that required to get on the ballot?
1: Um, for other parties, I'm not sure. I've never had to do that because we okay. don't do the signatures. we they, they passed a law that the other parties can do it and we fought it in court as a party and the Constitution Party can, has stated that we will not allow signatures to be on the ballot for our party.
0: Okay, so you so, pay a fee then in lieu yes. of signatures? Okay.
1: Yes, you go, you pay a fee, and you declare, and then you have to be confirmed at the um, convention, and you're on.
0: Okay, sounds good. You mentioned vetting candidates. Are you looking? Are you looking for anything in particular? Are you looking for character or alliance with the party's values? What are you looking for when you're vetting?
1: Um, both of those things. Um, they have to be people of, of, of good character. They have to have integrity. Um, and they do have to be a member of our party so sure. to be a candidate for our party and um they can't have like um we call it a member in good standing which means that okay you've been a member for at least a, an amount of time that we would be able to get to know who you are through your county um leadership um if you come in and say oh i'm i i I'm going to declare, I was a Republican yesterday, but I'm I'm declaring as a constitution and changing my voter registration today. We would have a little bit of problem not knowing where they stand and if they actually have the same constitutional values that we are trying to uphold. So we're very, very, very careful about who we actually want to run on our ticket. And if, somebody comes in that no one's ever heard of and says, oh, I'm on the Constitution Party, and we look and he's registered as such, and we've never heard of them in any of the counties, that would be a, a red flag for us, because we don't want people on our ticket that don't stand for the Constitution. Um, I know a lot of people believe in it, but the fact that um, anybody can say that but we like to know that you actually have that commitment to what the party stands for because we don't want people infiltrating into the party that are actually, say, Democrats and have a totally different ideology than what we do because they wouldn't really represent what our party stands for.
0: Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Would you – sometimes people we interview don't want to talk about it and sometimes they're okay with it. So, if you don't want to talk about it, it's all right. Would you care to talk about your opponents and how you distinguish yourself from them?
1: Um, in- I can do a generality because, like um the Republican and the Democrat, they both have to go through a primary, so I'm not even sure who I'm actually running against right now, and we will will oh, okay. know that till June, okay. I do know that the current um Person that is representing us. Um, there was a special election last year because um, our congressman that had been elected in 2022 resigned. And there was a special election last year. And um, I'm not, as a constituent, I am not happy with how she's representing our district. Not because she's my opponent, but because um, some of the things that the way that she's voting are not constitutional on some of these um, itch, uh, bills that have come up. And I feel the same way about anyone that represents me. If they are not voting constitutionally, I feel like they're not actually doing what their job that they were hired to do. Because as, if we elect someone, we have hired them for the job to represent us. And so if they're not representing what my ideologies are, I tend to not Agree with how they vote a lot of the time okay so that's that that's that's where I'm at in that situation. um I don't think she's voting constitutionally, and I think that because of the Constitution, it states that this is what your job is, this is what you're representing, and if you're not that you're not doing a good job so so that's okay. kind of where I'm at with her but i mean i I don't know um what she's going to be doing as far as um if she's going to be the person I'm running against, if she's going to get the nomination from the party again and win the primary. So I'm just kind of waiting to see who I'm going to be running against this year because it's always surprising in June.
0: (laughs) Okay. It sounds like it's up for grabs.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you're mentioning people being aligning, aligning with the Constitution and voting constitutionally. What would you say is the best way to learn about the constitutional values? Is it reading the Constitution itself? Is it reading court cases? Is it reading political theorists? What do you think is the best way to learn about the Constitution?
1: Uh, by reading it, absolutely. You read it. I mean, when the founders made this, they made it to where it was understood by the common people of the day. And that was in 1787 they wrote it. And they wanted the people of that time to be able to read it. And I feel like we're even more educated today, and it's not hard to understand. It's very simple. There's not a lot of pages to it. It's it's just a very good document that you read it, and you can understand it, and you can apply it, and you can look at it and say, oh, this is what the, the government is supposed to be. And you can look at it and you can see the things that are not in it that they are doing. And the Constitution, when it was written, it was um that obviously there was a lot of controversy. We had the Federalists, the anti Federalists arguing back and forth about um ratifying it. Um the Federalists felt that If it wasn't in there, you can't do it, and everybody will understand that and nothing will change, whereas the anti-federalists felt, well, we have to have a bill of rights so that if they go against what is in there, which is – or if we do something that is not in it, we're okay. They wanted to specifically mark out certain specific things that you definitely can't do this, even though you're not allowed to do anything that's not in it. These are things that we we need – For sure to be protected on. And as we found as the years have gone by and we've added amendments to make it better um, that this is how things are. It's it's very easy to understand and a lot of people have never read the Constitution. I've talked to many people and they'll say, well, I have this constitutional right. It's like, well, can you show me that? But it's not a right that they have. It's it's something that they've been told. They People don't actually sit down and read the Constitution, and I find when you show it to people, they are like, oh, I didn't know that was in there. So as, as educated voters, we need to know what's in it so that we know what our government's supposed to be, and then we can work together to fix the fact that we're not following it 100% like it should be, and then people will be more happy I think with our government, because the Constitution wasn't made for a party. The parties are not mentioned in it at all. It's not for one party or another that you can fight against each other. It was for all the people to have to be equal and have equal rights. And initially, that wasn't true because we had to make amendments that um, people of color and women even now have rights that they didn't have when it was originally written. But we fixed that with these amendments, and I think that that's good, and people need to see that.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. So do you? it sounds like through the conversation, you, the threats for the Constitution are from politicians in office not following the Constitution. Do you see any other threats to the Constitution that we need to guard against?
1: Um, I have heard people mention an Article 5 convention, and I am totally against that because um, when we had the Articles of Confederation, they were going to a convention to amend or fix the Articles of Confederation. And when they did, they came up with an entirely new document, which was the Constitution of the United States. Um, as a Constitutionist and thinking that this doc the document is sound if there was an article 5 convention there's a good possibility that we'd lose the constitution and i honestly right now don't trust anyone in the government to go in and make what we have better
0: oh, so sure, yeah. my
1: my guess would be that it would be changed 100% and we would lose what we we are trying to hold on to right now yeah so i think i think that's the biggest threat to the constitution besides the parties Because people are so polarized by party that they will have – it's like cognitive dissonance. So what they do is it's like you can tell them this is what the Constitution says, and it's like, well, yeah, but I still have to vote Republican. Or, yeah, but I still have to vote Democrat, even though they know that what the parties are doing is wrong. So they know what's right, but they can't wrap their brain around voting outside of one of those two parties. So I think that, that's that's the other problem that we have.
0: Yes. Yes. I, I agree with you. I if we had one I haven't heard about those Article five conventions before, so that's new to me. So I agree that it would be risky to pursue those the way you describe it because the Constitution is one of the greatest documents ever, so we wouldn't want to it would be very arrogant to think we could improve of something like that.
1: Exactly. That's why we it's also in Article 5 of the amendment process. And the amendment process works because that has to be ratified by every state. So I think that part of, the, of it would, would be fine. If we need amendments, we can put it out there to the people, and the people can decide if that's something we need. But we don't need a convention for them to change anything. And I've heard talk about people trying to do that. So I think that that would be a a, a very bad idea.
0: Sure. So, Cassie, how can our audience support you and your campaign, the Constitution Party, and also the Constitution Advancement itself?
1: Um, Education is number one as far as promoting the the Constitution. People have to understand and read it, and be educated in what's in it because we've moved away from that. Um, We don't. We barely touch on it in school anymore. Um, So, um, as far as far as Keeping the Constitution alive and well, we need people to understand what's in it, and they need to read it and go to people that um, know it if they have any questions. Um, All right. As far as my campaign goes, um, I do have my website. I, uh, any donations help, um, and getting the word out to people that they know in District 2 that, hey, look into this person. I want people to be educated voters, so I I would love everyone to vote for me, but I want them to look at who I am and what I stand for and see if that's what they stand for as well, because I want people to vote their conscience. I want educated voters, and I want them to vote what their conscience says, this is what I stand for, and I want this person to represent me. So all the votes that I can get, it's great. But I still prefer people be voting their conscience because I don't want them to vote for me and not feel like I would be the type of person that they would want to represent them. I want them to be happy with voting for me so that I can show them that what a constitutional person really does and stands up for and fight and fight as much as I have to to represent the people of my district.
0: That's very reminded of you. Well, thank you. <laughs> Not every candidate is going to say that. Not every candidate is going to say that they don't want people to vote for them. And if it doesn't vote for their Congress. a lot of people are going to say they want everyone to vote for them no matter what. So that's good. Right. So what's the website well, address?
1: Um, Cassie for com. All
0: right. Is it four spelled out or the letter or number four?
1: Um, the word, F-O-R.
0: All right, perfect. Cassie, we thank you for coming on the podcast today, taking time out of your campaign to talk about your campaign to our audience.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much that you are having a platform for people that are not in the two main parties to be able to speak and let people know what's going on and what they believe as well. So I really appreciate you um, giving me a call.
0: Sure thing. We wish you all the best in your campaign and school and everything else you do in life.
1: Well, thank you. Appreciate it.
0: All right. Take care and all the best.
1: All right. You have a wonderful day.
0: Bye.